0: Welcome to Teaching Takeaways. I'm your host, Amanda. This podcast series is about sharing favorite tools, strategies, and thoughts on all things education. If you have any connection to the education field and want to finesse your craft, this is a space to hang out and grab a piece of instant relevance, a takeaway you can apply to your classroom the very same day. If teachers continually make choices for students rather than guiding them in making judicious choices, then students leave school without an essential life skill. The quote I just shared came from ASCD.org in an article post about differentiation. Since this is season one, episode two, I don't want to dig right in with the nuts and bolts of manageable differentiation. However, I do want to talk about the power of choice in the classroom. I will be back another time to dig deeper into differentiation. It's actually one of my most favorite topics to talk about. For those of you who do not know... I did my entire master's project on increasing student motivation and engagement with the power of choice. Let's take a moment to think about the quote I just shared. If teachers continually make choices for students rather than guiding them and making judicious choices, then students leave school without an essential life skill. That's pretty frightening if you think about it. I know what you're thinking. I do give students choice in the classroom at home, wherever. I'm sure you do. But if you're like me or have ever been like me, I have given the, I guess you would say it's more like the illusion of choice. Even with my husband and shoes I want him to wear, I go online and find a handful of ones I like. Then I show him the selection of shoes I found. He chooses from the options I gave him and feels like he decided what new shoes he would get. The reality is I got to choose the shoes I wanted him to wear. He just thought he was choosing. I'm sure lots of you out there can relate. The same example could be shared over and over again with getting my kiddos to wear clothes, eat food, go to bed. They think they are choosing, but really, I'm ultimately choosing for them. When I started thinking about this, I decided to apply my classroom beliefs to my home life as well. People should choose freely what works for them in or out of the classroom. Now I know what you're thinking. How do my anecdotes about tricky shoes, clothes, food, bedtimes, how does it connect back to the classroom? I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. So, teachers are great at getting students to think they had a say in several areas, such as classroom rules, table groups, classroom jobs, even maybe homework. If you're really honest with yourself, did your students choose those things or were they guided to choose them? Sometimes it's the latter of the two. When I talk about choice, I mean, authentic student choice. What this looks like could be where they sit in the classroom, who they work with on a project, what classroom job they have, what topic they write about, what math problems they complete, what book they read, what homework they do. The list goes on and on. Choice is the easiest classroom overhaul overhaul, you can do to boost student engagement, increase student growth, and have strong student management. According to Mike Anderson, author of the book, Learning to Choose, Choosing to Learn. It's a great one. You should check it out. One of the most powerful ways teachers can boost student learning, motivation, and achievement is with something simple. It's called choice. The best part about choice is that it's free. We as educators spend a lot, a lot of our own money on the classroom to make learning meaningful, engaging, and really we could save a lot of our money by just offering choice and it's free. I'm sure several of you out there, your bank accounts would be happy about that. I know my husband gets pretty, for kind words, I would say frustrated with me when I I'm constantly shopping on Amazon and going to Target all in the name of making learning more fun, more engaging for my students. So, Choice kind of offers a balance to those things. And I'm not saying don't go to Target because how could you not? Don't shop on Amazon. It's actually genius that you can pick what you want from your phone and it magically appears in a day or two. But what I'm saying is is teaching and learning do not require all of that all of the time. The most simple thing you can do to make a huge difference in your classroom and with your students is just by offering them choice. I um, run marathons, for example. I was telling my mom about this the other day. So I run marathons. I choose to run marathons. I get up early, it could be freezing, raining, sweltering heat, you just never know. Hills, flat roads, dark, sunshine, early, late, it doesn't matter. Um, But I happily get up and I go do it. I'm like, woohoo, let's go run 15 miles today. It's going to be awesome. But it's because I choose to do it. So I'm engaged and committed to the task of marathon training all the time. I mean, I do take a couple of months off here and there, uh, between races, but for the most part, that's my jam. But if I were to tell my husband, Hey, you're going to go run a marathon and here's your plan. He's not going to do it. And if he does do it, he's not going to like it. He's going to give attitude. He's going to try to get out of it. He is going to do it. Um, and not be happy about it. So his experience and my experience are made totally different because he doesn't want to do that. But if I said, hey, do you want to go to the auto parts store and overhaul one of your cars? He's all in because that's something more of interest to him. And we're going to talk a little bit later about interest and choice and how they're connected. But I just wanted to share that choice is where it's at and it's free some simple choice implementation ideas that you could use but obviously are not limited to and for time's sake i'm just going to give you a couple of choices with math and literacy but if you think about it it's really across the curriculum across all subject areas but in math you could give students the choice of how many problems to complete they could do the odd or just the even or maybe a fave 5 or whatever um, your, your expectations are at your school, for yourself, what you want to see to demonstrate student learning or understanding, but give them a choice. Not every kid needs to do the exact same thing all day, every day, because if you're in their shoes, you're not going to be engaged. Your growth is going to be limited and it's just not going to be a pleasant time. Another area you could, um, Offer choice in is if you do centers or I call them application stations. You, you know they could have the choice to visit which ones are those that they like. Some kids are all about the games. Some kids are all about you know very simple, more independent tasks. Some want to collaborate all the time. Some none of the time. So it's not really cool if you force your kids to go to the same workstations if you have four. Every kid visits, every station, every day, every other day, every week, whatever it looks like in your classroom. But if you give them choices, they're going to get more out of it. And um, your behavior management issues are going to go down also. And another one that's really on trend and has been for a while is where to work in the classroom. But I caution you against that. Although we think it's really cute to have an empty classroom with buckets and crates and rocking seats and carpets and lap desks, oh my, not everybody learns best that way. Some people actually learn sitting in a chair. Others only learn by standing up. So I caution you with where to work in the classroom that if you choose the flexible seating route or have already chosen it, that you really have a variety of options to really hit the different types of ways people do like to do their work. I know for me, I like to do my work at my desk, in my chair, in quiet. But again, you know, not everybody works that way. In literacy, the most obvious and easiest one is book choice. Remember, readers are not gutted reading levels, DRA levels, Lexile levels, or any other label to level a student. There are some boundaries that we need to know. We need instructional levels from data to guide students but we want them to choose what they want to read even if it's a little bit too easy or a little bit too hard they're going to get something out of it so you know just think about that when i look for a book on amazon or barnes and noble i don't go to a section for my reading level nor do you i just go where i'm interested in going to read for enjoyment or to learn more on a particular subject Remember back in college, the zone of proximal development, the ZPD, students do their best work when the material is interesting and an appropriate level of challenge. Offering students choice to get them to the sweet spot of significant cognitive growth will help students learn more. The challenge of where students are and where they could go is challenging and enjoyable. When teachers empower student choice of parts of their work, they will more times than not settle into the ZPD on their own. And students know themselves better than we ever will know them. If the classroom environment is a safe space and teachers help students understand themselves as learners, big things happen. And again, it's pretty much free Um, As far as writing goes, this drives me not so, but writing responses and or prompts for students to complete. As as educators, I know you have a responsibility to teach a certain curriculum or set of standards to students each year. What if instead of you telling them what the topic will be about, allow students to decide? Your job is to teach a topic or standard, You can model the how-to of the standard with anything you want. When it comes time for the guided or independent practice, allow students to choose what topic to apply the standards to. The content or subject matter is where you definitely do have some flexibility. I have worked with so many students who do a great job with writing when they are given freedom. Students have been referred to me to, quote, fix Writing when all that needed, quote, fixed was the topic. For example, I had a student referred to me for all things writing. The student would shut down in the classroom and not write or write only a few sentences because the student was not engaged in the content of forced writing of kind words for classmates. When the student and I worked together, we would eventually get the kind words down on paper to support the teacher. However, when I continued my work with the student without being asked to do a specific assignment, the student actually liked to write. This particular student was all about the Civil War. The student did a f- fantastic job writing narrative fiction, personal narratives, procedural, opinion, and expository text over the course of our sessions together just with allowing the choice on what to write about. When there's interest, there is engagement or buy-in. Isn't what we want as educators to have the engagement, to have the buy-in, to get through the standards that we're asked to um, teach throughout the year? We want to create learners for life while teaching what is mandated. I could offer additional examples of real-life students thriving in the classroom when offered choice, but I definitely want to be respectful of your time. Remember when I said interest and choice are closely connected? Well, they are. Regardless of age or grade of student, everyone has an interest in something. If you ask my little guy, he's going to tell you right now it's all about monster trucks. Everything is monster trucks. But if you asked him last week, it was about race cars or Paw Patrol. And although he still loves those things, his humongous interest right now is all about monster Jam and monster trucks. He can tell you and act out pretty much anything a two-year-old knows about that subject matter for you on demand. Anyway, your littles in K-1... Um, would probably do best in an at-home survey the child and guardian do together. So let me back up for a minute. Regardless of the student or learner, we all have interests. And depending on the age of the student depends on how you could gather that information. So with your littles, an at-home interest survey would probably work best. You can create the questions that you want to know more information on to help guide your teaching through the year, even if you started tomorrow and just worked the back end of the year and then started fresh in August or whenever your school starts. If your classroom population um, doesn't have the parents at home or guardians at home to participate in the interest survey, you could do an interview using questions created by you and maybe a quick five-minute conversation with each student over the course of the week log the information into a spreadsheet and voila you have interest data for your class to work with if your students are older you could create an inventory using google forms for students to complete at a workstation for morning work or whenever it fits best in your day you can look at the results of the google form by clicking the option for the responses to generate on a spreadsheet voila you have interest data for your class. If going digital just isn't your jam, take the questions you created, copy them front and back to save paper, of course, and hand them out to students. Refer back to them as often as you would like with the same interest data for your class. Cult of Pedagogy on TPT has a fabulous resource set for ready-made student inventories available for purchase kindergarten through college. All you need to do is select your grade range and she's done the hard work for you. She also has a a, um, spreadsheet called the 360 where you can organize student responses if wanted or add more information to throughout the year. It's just another organizational tool to build those relationships with our kiddos. A link to her TPT store is in the show notes. She's another fabulous resource, and she also has a podcast. If you haven't listened to it, definitely check her out. Choice is the instant relevance I challenge you to reflect on and implement the next time you step foot in your classroom or walk into your home. You're probably wondering how to go about the overhaul, and my thoughts are to start small. If you go too big... Too fast, your classroom or home will erupt in chaos. Nobody has time for chaos, especially at this point in the year. Here are five simple steps to choice for students if doing an independent task. Step one, choose a subject you want to start choice with. For example, math. Step two, Teach the math the way you normally would until it's time for students to practice what they just saw modeled. Here is where choice is implemented. In step three, whatever tool, task, or paper students need to complete, tell them they can pick to complete either, and then it's your choice, even problems, odd problems, or however many problems you would like them to complete without having to do the exact same as their peers, like finish the entire task. Step four, watch your students become excited and more engaged with what they were asked to do. Step five, repeat another day or with another subject area. See, it's really not that scary. It doesn't really require any additional prep time if you just start small. When you start small and you get comfortable with it, you can continue to stretch your comfort and add on another area of choice that you would like to do and and that might take a little more prep time and we'll definitely circle back through to choice in a later episode for more um, options and easy implementation with choice if you want to implement choice for student workstations or centers the same uh, five-step problem five-step process, not problem, comes into play. So step one, you would choose a subject you want to start choice with. Step two, you would want to create an anchor chart of expectations for choosing centers. And this is the key part, prior to teaching. Students do not need to be part of this. Direct, explicit expectations shared with the class is best here. Remember, you still have control of your class and you're releasing some of that control through choice and so whatever you want the stations to look like you decide you go over it directly explicitly with the class and then they get the next piece of it which is the choice which leads us to step three Teach the subject the way you normally would until it's time for students to go to the centers or stations. And here is where choice is implemented. Revisit the chart previously introduced to your class about the number of people at a station, what it looks like, sounds like, and what you'll be doing while students are at the centers or stations. Then release students to stations however you normally would the only difference is you're not telling the red group to go here and the green group to go there etc there isn't a need for groups let students choose whom they would like to work with the classroom norm should include some sort of expectations for accountability the on task part should happen naturally because the students have the option to choose and steps four and five are the same as the ones i shared earlier. Watch your students become excited and more engaged with what they were asked to do and repeat another day or with another subject area. If we give students what they crave, feeling good about learning with choice, students will grow as learners. Classroom management becomes a little easier and you, the professional educator in the room, get to do what you love most, teach. To wrap things up, choice is free for educators and powerful for students. Let's release some of the control in our classrooms and help create students who are stakeholders in their education. There is definitely a time and place for providing choice. No two educators are on the exact same professional journey, which means where you provide choice might look different than the teacher across the hall. If you take a leap of faith and get your feet wet in student choice, you might actually find you like the freedom it provides all of you in the classroom. I will be back with more research on choice in the near future. The book mentioned today is linked in the show notes, as well as the Cult of Pedagogy TPT store with all of her fabulous resources. A full notes workup can be found on my website, teachingtakeaways.com. If you like what you've just heard, please leave me a, re- a review on your podcast platform. Reviews help make the podcast more visible for new listeners to find us. If there is a topic you would like more information on, DM me on Twitter, at Amanda Hallman, on Instagram, at Teaching Takeaways, or by email, Teaching Takeaways at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging with me for a piece of instant relevance, a teaching takeaway to use in your classroom the very same day. I will see you next Tuesday for a new teaching takeaway.